I'm joined now by Father Des O'Grady, he's an Irish Jesuit, and by Dee Hennessy, who is a mindfulness practitioner. And they're going to speak to me about a retreat that they've been giving around the country. And it is a retreat with a difference. Mindfully at Home in the Cosmos is the title. So that would suggest we're going to be looking at some cosmic theology or theories of creation or working with creation and also mindfulness. Um, Deso Grady, I'll start with you. Where did the idea for this retreat come from and what exactly can people expect? The cosmos really is the centre of it, but mindfulness is even more central in that the retreat is directed to the people who come and the invitation is to come to a personal awareness that's rooted and that expands not just mindfulness we think of as for ourselves but to be truly mindful. We have to be aware of our context, of our families, of our circumstances and those circumstances reach out to the very borders of the cosmos. Would you say the cosmos is our home as much as our small family home that we might live in? It is, absolutely. And for me, it has been my home since childhood. I had the great joy as a kid of being able to get out of the city and down to my mother's home place in Kilkenny. And there, the vistas opened out forever. I could see 30, 40 miles away from my uncle's farm to Glencomera. The sun shone down, the rains came down, the mists enfolded us. And that, to me, is the cosmos enfolding me. And that's where I learned to live, without the words, of course, at the time. But I know now that that has shaped me into a sense that I live and am at home and aware if I'm present to the whole of reality. Yeah, why, why is it important, Dee Hennessy, you're a mindfulness practitioner, like why is awareness of the cosmos and greater creation so important if we maybe can just do our mindfulness exercises? Yeah, for me, that's the other side of the coin. I've been practising mindfulness for many years and I came to it really out of a sense of dissatisfaction or disjointedness with the tradition in which I grew up. So having trained in Christian theology, I just didn't feel nourished And so I fell into mindfulness. And in my work in mindfulness, I realized that it really does, it's a healing and holing practice, and it is a discipline. But I've always been aware that there's a kind of a potential shortcoming in that because it's about me and it could be a personal development thing. But actually, the true meaning of mindfulness is much more about I come home to myself, I find that deep inner peace and joy within me, and that leads to a certain way of being in the world. And so for me, the new cosmology really allows us to tune into that, to the reality that is there. So mindfulness is about coming into the present moment, noticing, allowing, accepting, surrendering to what is, and then in that, discovering freedom and joy. And for me, the new cosmology just provides a context within which we can know what our home is. And then it can shape how I am in the world in very small ways in terms of how I get on with my day-to-day life. Now... Des, Dee said there, and I'll come back to her on this, that she felt her Christian theology didn't nourish her when she was learning it. Is this something totally apart from Christian theology then? Well, it is open to everyone. Both myself and Dee have had a Christian background, but that's not the whole story. And I must say that there are many elements of, let's not say so much Christian faith, but of Christian practice that I am distinctly uncomfortable with, so that... What are you talking about there? Well, I suppose I'm thinking here of the way in which 
the church has been seen as an organisation with rules and that membership was rule-keeping. We're all God's family. Jesus called us to be all God's family. And my sense is that no matter what goes on, we're all God's family. But especially, the crux of the matter for me is what uh, Jesus says is, love one another as I have loved you. We know from the story of the prodigal son just how much God loves us. The church has not reflected that in its exclusionary practices. Dee, what would you say? This is open then for everybody. People will feel comfortable if they're coming, I suppose, from the broadly spiritual background. Did you find in any way that this dovetailed with your Christian theology or renewed it? Actually, you know, I need to continue the story because the journey into mindfulness began out of a sense of disjuncture with the Christian tradition. But actually, the practice of mindfulness has brought me back into, I suppose, valuing the richness within my own tradition. So I would now stand firmly in a place where I'd say, no, I'm not a Buddhist. I'm an Irish Catholic. It's in my genes. And the practice and discipline of mindfulness has actually opened that up for me. So that now I sit in a place where, you know, I'm very happy. And in Des and I developing this retreat, we're very happy that the Eucharist is central to that, to our experience of Irish Catholicism. And we also hold the space that for many people that no longer carries meaning or it represents difficulties and challenge. And so our work is absolutely inclusive. And it looks like this when you come on the retreat. We provide a sense of community, a silent space, some input and some ritual for people to find their own place in the continuum of I'm firmly rooted within Catholic practice or I've lost my sense of spirituality and I don't know where I am. And we hope that being supported in this way through the retreat, people find their own path. Um, And for me now, you know, a lot of my teachers now are from the Eastern tradition, but all of that actually informs my own uh, rootedness within the Catholic story. And so I, I really believe that, you know, at this time where there is fragmentation, both externally in the world and internally in individuals, we're in the 21st century, we're frantic, we're busy, we're dislocated within ourselves. So I think the mindfulness gives us that sense of peace within a frantic world. If we can do what Francis Bennett invites us to do, um, he's an ex-trappist and he's also using mindfulness to mine the mystical and Christian tradition for our times. And he talks about the practice on the cushion of meditation, bringing me to that deeper place where beneath the fears and the desires, there is what we already have, which is the joy of being connected and being loved and being held. And, and we think the retreat brings people to some sense of that. And then how we live that out is different. So it is true that we are inclusive and that itself is challenging because there will be some people always on our retreat who are drawn to the retreat because Father Des will say the Mass and there is that traditional element. And there will be other people drawn to the retreat because of the new cosmology and the cosmic Christ and the way of understanding divinity in and through us and all is holy and looking for new ways to ritualise that. And so we we try to thread a gentle path in the middle of that. And I'm thinking about the Mass and the Eucharist. I mean, you're a Jesuit, so was Teilhard de Jardin, and he had some wonderful, almost mystical insights about the Eucharist and the Mm -hmm. cosmos. Oh, yes, and they influenced me a lot. I mean, I speak of the cosmic Christ as we believe in Jesus, and I believe that we see an image of the Father. But again, Father's an anthropocentric word, you know. It's a a human description. 
in a sense, the cosmos gives us a totally human, independent expression of the reality of God in his outreach to us. It is out of that cosmos that we have grown. It is God's womb, if you like, out of which everything has come. And the extraordinary thing about the cosmos is it started with a bang, the flaring forth, very uh, calls it. Beyond it, total mystery. The mystery of God is still there, creator as well as redeemer. And I suppose what we're saying in, in terms of what <clears throat> the cosmic crisis, we're talking about something unfinished or evolving, that we don't know what the end is and that we're taking part in it in some way. Well, when you say unfinished, do you know as our lives are all unfinished? But they're not unfinished. They are full, they're alive now, and the cosmos is itself right now, interrelating. And I think of the cosmos as really personal. It's involved. You become the cosmos to me, or part of the cosmos, and I to you. And you know, when we smile at one another, we know we grow, so we gift one another. So the sun's shining. I get another feel out of it. In old Christian terms, we would say that's providence. It is God's providing for us. It is God's providing for us through the cosmos. For me, God has always worked through others. None of us has ever seen God. We've only seen glimpses that have been shared by others. It is still the same. The cosmos gives us that glimpse. You give me that glimpse. Dee gives it to me. The people who come, all of that, it's all of a part all the whole. Part of the key thing it would seem to be in all of this, and Des has mentioned it and you've mentioned it there, is the notion of being able to live in the present and to be in the moment. Mm. Uh, a core part of mindfulness. Not easy to do. Mm. Say uh, it's simple but not easy. It is a discipline. It does yeah. take practice. Yeah. So will you be teaching people practices on that uh, retreat? Well, Des and I have refined our offering and we've moved beyond either teaching what is new in the new cosmology or teaching mindfulness. We really engage in the practice and then in, you know, investigation or sharing after the practice because we believe it's in the silence and in the community and in the practice that people get insight into what this might do for me. So what kind of things might people be doing? People are invited to do breath meditation, body meditation, movement meditation. And, and all of those are designed, I suppose, to short circuit our teaching, our learning, and just give us a direct experience of coming home to the present moment. Uh, we use very often uh, Thich Nhat Hanh has a particular mindfulness practice, 10 mindful movements that has been done in Plum Village, um, his monastery in France for many, many years. And we often use that as an anchor practice. And it's amazing how people who don't even know that they're disassociated from their body just have all sorts of experience. Often initially it's experience of discomfort. I was fine until we started doing that. Now my shoulder is sore. But it is a coming into an awareness and a settling into the body first. And then we use the breath both to bring the person also to the to the sense of now in their in their momentary experience, but also the breath as that expression of divinity. So it's the living spirit that we share with every created thing and that we are gift and we're gifted with in every moment. So coming to a deeper awareness of that through a variety of kind of breath meditations. And then we use ritual. The ritual is always grounded in movement 
And it's very interesting for us that of all the things that we've done in this retreat so far, the movement is something that really people are very hungry for. It's like a, a new way of ritualizing or a new way of bringing their whole self into the prayer. And so we're developing that part of the work. Do you ever think, but why do we have to do it like that? I mean, we are human beings and I sometimes think in meditation, well, why do I have to keep my mind quiet? Because that's who I am. My mind is part of me. It's normal. We do think about the, the past and we do think about the future. Yeah. And that's because I'm not a, an animal. I'm a yeah. self-conscious I'm so being. I'm so glad you bring that up because I've been meditating for years. And prior to mindfulness, my meditation practice uh, was always very troublesome because I'm a human being and my mind would be spending time in the past and in the future. And in mindfulness, it took me some years, and I now hope that I help other people to come to this awareness in a quicker time. It took me some years to realize that actually it's not about shutting down the mind. It's about noticing what is happening in me now and noticing that my mind is in the past and noticing that my mind is in the future. So that's one critical aspect of mindfulness that sometimes we misunderstand. It's not about shutting down the mind. It's about knowing where I am and how I am in this moment. And, and, and accepting then, it. And then the second, <laughs> very important Just, just it is what it is, is. As, as the new saying of yeah. what is. And the second very important part of mindfulness is that area of non-judgmental, which we find very challenging. But actually it is accepting and loving everything that's happening in me right now. And in the acceptance of that, there is the freedom. There is the movement towards what Francis Bennett would call the fully awakened life, where I'm then free, really, um, to make good choices and free to, I suppose, express love in the world in a different way. But you're right, mindfulness practice in terms of the exercises is very simple. It's just sit, press a pause button and breathe. But it's very challenging because it takes me into that awareness of myself and it asks me to love and accept myself. And it asks me then to live in communion with others. And so it is a journey. And a question that strikes me, sometimes when we do talk about the cosmos and creation and the goodness and the beauty, and indeed it is all there, but I think anybody listening to us will probably have seen one of a number of Mm. wildlife programs (laughs) and the hunt, for example. And Shakespeare said it himself, like, nature is red in tooth and claw, horrible things, buffaloes being torn apart by starving dogs. You don't know whose side you're on. It ain't a pretty sight. I'm not getting into the human evil because we can talk mm-hmm. about choice, but we don't have choice in creation. And there's something very scary about the way creation goes about its business in order to survive. Oh, there is indeed. Um, and, you know, even to walk in the mountains, as I do a lot, I know the mountain could swallow me up any minute and I have one very serious memory of trying to climb up from the lake in Lugalaw down in County Wicklow up to the mountain peak above it and I was about two thirds of the way up and I suddenly found I was flat against the rock there's granite there, pure granite and I was starting to slip down I couldn't keep the hold I remembered that probably about a foot below me, I mean this was only guessing in the moment that there was a ledge about a half an inch thick. So I splayed myself out totally on the rock, flat as I could, and prayed that that I would hit that ledge and that I'd stay on it. As you can see, I did. That, you know, just intense in terms of facing death straight on within minutes. I've never had an experience like it before. 
So I've been there. But what do you but say? But I went you... back up that cliff again. Uh, it's just... But that's a choice. It you is know, a choice. you choose to go back up again. Yeah. You chose to go up there in the first place. You are a hyena and you're looking for a wildebeest. Mm-hmm. You know, you wait for the weakest one with a little ringworm in its ear to that's fall right. down and you eat it alive. Has there not to be a better way <laughs> for this wonderful, beautiful creation to survive? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not the creator. <laughs> and uh, Does it, is, is does it not say something yeah. about this whole relationship that we, you know, we start off talking about it, it's beautiful and wonderful and at home. Mm. I don't feel at home in that creation. Yeah. Oh, I mean, despite things like that, I'm very at home in creation. I know walking across the road any day could be the end of me. But... I can't stop walking across the road. (laughs) (laughs) The Buddha teaches, all I teach is suffering and the end of suffering. And so I think for me, the journey into the new cosmology has really been very challenging because it's a move from what I was taught all my life about the human being have a certain role of authority and dominion and control. And actually, what the mindfulness in the new cosmology calls us to is an awareness that actually I'm a very small bit player in the whole scene and I am called to be in a certain relationship and part of that Pat is a surrender to the suffering the death, the evil, the cruelty that is part of the cycle of life and I can't bring about an end to that. So surrender you think is it is a very important part of mindfulness, it's also an important part of most religious traditions actually. Yes. Yes, it is. But I think the new cosmology brings us to a new level of awareness around surrender. So it is, what is it to be human? And what is our rightful place as human? And even for those who are very involved in, you know, to say the human impact on the world, if we looked at it in the time of a, at the day of a clock, is three seconds. And we're in the latter stages of the three seconds. And the human being has had an enormously negative impact on the environment. So when we talk about evil and destruction, we have knowingly or unknowingly brought about a situation uh, where we now have a very fragile earth. And yet in our work, Des and I, we're very cautious with people who are coming from that ecological awareness and who are driven to save the earth, to say, well, actually, you know, balance in all things. And we like the work of a man called Satish Kumar, who himself comes from an ecological activity and peacemaking base. But in his wisdom and his life journey has taken him to a place where he talks about a new trinity for our time. And he talks about soil, soul and society. That he says, like Thomas Berry would say, that actually we need to spend time in nature. We need to get our hands dirty with the soil. And then we need to do our meditation practice and nourish our soul. And then we build community. But that um, ecological activism without that kind of balance is also bringing us to a place where we're misunderstanding who we are as human and our role in things and the reality that life is not all fluffy bunnies bouncing around the the garden. (laughs) (laughs) And the lambs that gamble we then slaughter and eat. You've been doing these retreats, a very positive response around the country. I know that. 
Uh, you're now going to a few more places. Can you just let listeners know where A, have your website and B, where you'll be next? OK, so we have a website, uh, mindfulfacilitation.com, and we have a page there which describes the format of a retreat, whether it's a one-day workshop or a six-day silent retreat. And we also share some of our resources there, like we like to put up YouTubes that we discover. For example, some very strong Tom Berry short inputs and other teachers, both in mindfulness and the cosmology. Our upcoming dates, we have a five-day silent retreat coming up in Chockbreed in Tullow at the end of May. In Tullow? In Tullow, County Carlow. What what dates are that? From May the 21st to the following Friday, May the 25th. And when you say a silent retreat, what does that mean, Des? It doesn't mean an uptight retreat. It means giving people space to be in themselves and in the world about them, Um, letting go of job preoccupations and also letting go of the kind of trivialities that run through our mind. We chatter about all day long. We keep going, did you see this, did you see that, all that kind of stuff. It's part of the mindfulness is the silence, the coming to try to be aware of what's going on within me and how do I relate to things. And we were talking earlier about the mindfulness and the way it affects one. Uh, I've been practising mindfulness too for many years, but the crux point for me was the day when I suddenly realised what a fearful person I was, which I would never have believed. I thought I was a very free young lad, um, but I was also being cautious of what people said. It was a part of the country, you know, be careful what people might say. Don't do that, people will be talking. I found that imprisoned me. The day I realised that, I realised what mindfulness had done to me. And I says, what a gift. It was beautiful. And it has stayed with me since. I have a joy and a freedom in life from that one moment that you could say it was like revelation. Our silence is really about creating that space for people to have that time. It does include creative activity. Des and I provide one-on-one spiritual companioning for people who want that space. And we always build in a kind of a group companioning or sharing space. So we're building community and we're hearing each other, but also acknowledging that people need time to be quiet. Uh, Chop Read is a silent retreat. It's a six-day retreat from May the 21st to May the 25th. And you can book that directly on our website. We also have um, a silent retreat in Ballyvaloo in Wexford, but at this point that's fully booked in August, but there may be some spaces on a waiting list. And we have a couple of day retreats coming up, one in Stella Maris in Holt, and that's on Wednesday, May the 31st, and one in a lovely, small, ecological centre called Suvenus, which is in County Leash. And again, there's information on all of those dates on the website. And we're also open, Des and I, to providing this retreat in a variety of places. So if people wanted to contact you from different centres, you'd be open to going and doing it? Yeah, very much so. And of course, our initial start is within the traditional retreat houses. But we're very keen to provide the work in whatever context people would like to invite us into. So we're open to to talking to people about that. So you get the contact details on the website as well? Yes. Thank you very much, both of you. Most interesting to talk and wish you all the best with your retreat work and your accompaniment of people as they make their way home. Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much, Pat.